Good morning. Welcome to Refuge Bible Fellowship. Today is Sunday, April 19th, and uh, we are continuing our study through the book of Acts. And uh, so uh, wherever you're listening, we uh, invite you to open up your Bibles and follow along with us as we go through the study of God's Word, line by line, chapter by chapter, book by book. Um, as, as a fellowship, we've been going through the book of Acts. I know the past couple weeks have been a really focused on Jesus Christ and His resurrection, His death, burial, and resurrection, the last week of His life here on earth, and, uh, and everything that He did, all the events surrounding uh, His resurrection, His crucifixion, uh, beginning with His entrance into Jerusalem. So now we, we continue. It's been a great celebration, a great time of coming together uh, as a church, we, we had our first sunrise drive-up service uh, in the back of our church, and, and it was truly wonderful. I, I know it kind of rained a bit at that moment, and uh, my Bible, it's, uh, the pages are dry now, but it looks like it, it got wet, so it's just weathered a bit. Uh, but it was just a wonderful time. The Lord has blessed our time together, and uh, so we continue. We continue in our study through the book of Acts. My name is Raul, and I'm the senior pastor of Refuge. We're here located in Riverside, California, and again, we invite you to come and be a part of this fellowship uh, and, uh, and enjoy this time, hopefully being encouraged and continue to be built up in God's Word. I know this morning we're going to be talking about a man named Simon. Simon. And uh, in this chapter, this is part two of chapter eight, uh, this, this man is someone who was far from being familiar with uh, the faith uh, as far as Christianity was concerned. Uh, he hadn't grown up in the church. Um, we're in the area of Samaria, and this man was, was not someone who was familiar with, with being a man of uh, faith or, or exercising faith. He was far from knowing that. And so we're going to take this journey with this man named Simon. He was a believer, but he was a believer in himself. Uh, He was a believer in the occult, and he was a believer in profiting from others. So let's start out with this. Let's read the verses that we're going to cover this morning, and then we'll go into our study. So the title of this morning's message is Simon the Opportunist. Simon the Opportunist. So Acts chapter 8 beginning in verse 9. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Verse 14, Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them. But they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, 
Give me this power also, so that anyone whom I lay my hands may, on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. And verse 25, Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your blessing upon our time together in your word. I ask that you would give us understanding and help us, Lord, to see how it is that we are to uh, perhaps apply what we come to learn and be encouraged by. I pray, Father, that uh, your spirit would give us conviction. If if there's anything that is not of you, I pray that we would be quick to repent, turning from those things asking for forgiveness and, uh, and asking for your strength to walk in the Spirit and walk in the knowledge that we have. Uh, that is how to glorify you. And so, Father, we commit this time of study into your hands. We thank you, Lord, for being here, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as I said from the very beginning, uh, this man, Simon, as we learned, as we went through those verses there, uh, was a man that really was not familiar with, uh, with, with faith. Um, again, he believed. He believed in himself. He believed in the occult, and he believed in profiting from others. That's what he believed in. So I see Simon as an opportunist, a man who exploits circumstances to gain immediate advantage rather than being guided by consistent principles or plans. You know, uh, people who may line up with that kind of mentality, that perspective, is someone like a burglar or, uh, unfortunately, someone like a politician. Not all politicians are this way, but I I can see that many perhaps are. Burglars and politicians are often viewed as being opportunists, taking advantage of a situation that that offers personal gain or going along with whatever will get them re-elected by their constituents no matter what it takes, and no matter who it hurts along the way. Now, Simon, being this opportunist, and going through these events with Philip and Peter and John and and everything that took place was on a roller coaster of a ride. As he went from being amazed and believing to being confused and finally being strongly rebuked and corrected by Peter. Simon, being an opportunist, was in it for himself. He didn't get what it meant to be a Christian or a follower of Jesus Christ, denying self and living a life to the glory of God and not for the glory of himself. Uh, This, I believe, is a a lesson that we ought to always uh, keep before us because we as people, fallen people, 
uh, have a tendency to seek our own glory. And what we need to be reminded of is that as a Christian, we deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow Jesus Christ. We live these lives as his masterpiece, a work that he's doing in our lives, according to Ephesians 2.10. And what we are, our purpose in life is to bring God glory. Not ourselves, but bring God glory. There are people who would say that they are Christians but rarely pick up the Bible. I read a, a recent um, poll or, or a research uh, paper that Barna did, Barna Research, that said that six out of ten Christians, uh, only six out of ten Christians actually, uh, not read, I'm sorry, it's the other way around. Six out of ten Christians do not read the Word of God. And I think that might be conservative. I It might be that even more people don't read the Bible consistently, but their research shows that six out of 10 do not or rarely pick up the Bible to read it. Now, if this is true, then too many within the church are amazed by the grace of God, but are also, they leave themselves open to confusion. Along with that, I would hope that being in a church fellowship and being exposed to the Word of God, that you're also open to biblical correction so that, as we saw here and we read, Simon was rebuked and corrected by Peter, saying that may his money uh, and uh, perish with himself. Uh, so for us, as we receive the Word of God and receive correction, We humbly receive that, repent of our sins, confessing our sins, and uh, therefore gain understanding, and uh, and with that live a life that's that's wise to the truth of God's word. So, you know, because we also can be amazed by what happens, confused because we are swayed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, uh, because we don't know. We simply don't know the Word of God. And so I would encourage you, read the Word of God, know what the Word of God says. That way you walk in the truth and, uh, and are not fooled by everything or anything that comes your way. Even coming from some pulpits, some, some people on TV, uh, you know, they, they are very convincing. And for people who are uh, not, uh, who are ignorant of the Word of God, um, you can be taken by those people. And I don't want you to do that. I don't want that to happen with you. Now, what we can do to more fully understand how to live with understanding and godly wisdom is this. It's very simple. Read the word of God, study the word of God, and humble yourself before God. It's as simple as that. Read, study, and as you study and you read the word of God, humble yourself under the authority of the word of God. And so 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Now, we're going to learn about Simon and learn how we can benefit from Scripture to the glory of God. This chapter and these verses that we're going over serve to benefit you. Simon's error and the correction that he received serves to benefit you. As you consider yourself perhaps in that role, you know, how is it that I can relate to the way Simon is uh, seeing things, his perception of the world around him and his faith that he has come to know? 
Now, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 speaks to the benefit and the purpose of Scripture, which says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So three things that we see here. Uh, these, these areas are separated very distinctly. In number one, Simon amazed. Number two, Simon confused. And number three, Simon corrected. So amazed, confused, and then corrected. Let's start out with Simon amazed. Verse nine, let's start from the top here. Verse nine, which once again says, but there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip and seen signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. So Simon amazed. The first section here. Simon was described as a man who would wow the crowds with his magic. He was, uh, you could say he was a showman. Uh, He was famous. Everyone knew him from the least to the greatest. He was very popular. And Simon said that he, Simon himself, and this is, uh, think about this. Simon himself said that he was great and the people believed him because of his magic and the things that he did. Everyone paid attention to him. Everyone was amazed. This is how he's described in, his, in, in what he was doing, his, his, uh, his acts. Everyone was, am- was amazed by Simon and said, This man is the power of God that is called great. Again, as I, as I go back and I, I reflect on the life of Simon, um, it, I believe it reflects the life of many people today. Uh, we're, we're told by the world to believe in ourselves, that we are just someone great. And that's not to say that we are not valuable in the eyes of the Lord, but we think so much about ourselves that we put ourselves in the same place that perhaps Simon did in that day. We want everyone to think that we're great. But what we need to really understand and, and live out is that what we want as Christians... What we want, what we desire, is that others would know that God is great in us. It's Jesus Christ whom they should focus on. Any light, anything that comes that is of any value whatsoever should be always deflected and and given to the Lord. All glory to the Lord. But for him, you know, everyone was paying attention to him. Everyone was amazed by Simon. They called him uh, great and um, he was just... He was a man who was esteemed by the world. So they even went to the extent of saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. Now, let's talk about God on pride and arrogance. Proverbs 16.5 says, Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. And James chapter 4 verse 6 says, But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, 
Notice that these Samaritans not only believed Simon at his word, uh, but when wowed by his magic, they proclaimed that he was the power of God and that his power came from God. That's what they were saying, uh, that this power originated from God and the things that he was doing uh, came from, from that great power. That's what they believed. So they were fooled because they were ignorant of God. They weren't stupid. They weren't dumb. Because when Philip came and, and declared that Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father, they believed on the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, at that point, they weren't ignorant of God's word, of God's truth. But the way we can be swayed, the way we can be fooled is by not knowing the truth. And so for them, they were fooled because they were ignorant of God. 2 Timothy 3.13 says, While evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Simon had been amazing the people with his magic for a long time. Simon had been had made a living by practicing sorcery, by practicing magic. This is what this word is. This word magic uh, really has a demonic origin. Uh, it, it is not the power of God. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a duplicate. It's a fake. It's, it's, uh, its power does not originate with God, but it originated from Satan himself. And so this... These things that he was doing was all sorcery and it misled the people to believe that it was from God when it really wasn't. The world, the flesh, and Satan will always work to mislead, distract, divide, destroy, take away people from God and try to make you believe that it is good and that it is from God himself. But there was a day when Philip showed up in Samaria. And so we have Simon and this, this background as far as his life is, is concerned and the work that he was given to for such a long time and the people uh, were amazed by him. Everyone liked him. He was very popular. He was famous. And now comes Philip. Philip comes on the scene. He shows up in Samaria. Samaria. He was preaching the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and people came to believe in Jesus Christ and they were baptized uh, men, women, just everyone was coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And it says here, as we read, that even Simon believed and he was baptized. You can say that at this point, Simon became a believer in Jesus Christ. And really, from what we read, there's nothing indicating that this was not a genuine conversion. We don't see any here, anything here. In fact, if, if it was not a genuine conversion then really we can say he fooled Philip pretty good. Because I am sure, I would hope, that Philip would not baptize Simon if he wasn't genuine in his conversion. If Philip saw something at that point. So for Philip, as far as he was concerned, Simon was a genuine conversion. He was a genuine believer. He was a Christian at that point. And uh, so... It was at that point, though, when, when Philip uh, baptized Simon, that after that, he continued. Simon continued with Philip, which means that he, he followed him. Now he was, he was under his instruction. It was like uh, you have Philip, uh, the teacher, and Simon, the student. And so he was following him. As he followed him, he saw Philip 
um, he, he did these signs and great miracles. Uh, they were performed by Philip. And so now, instead of Simon being the one amazing others, uh, he was being amazed by the things that Philip was performing in the power of the Holy Spirit. But Simon did what all new converts should do. It's not just a simple prayer, uh, the, the prayer of, of faith, and then that's it. Um, but really, there should be fruit from that. A genuine conversion will give you now an appetite and a different perspective, an appetite for the Word of God, a thirst for the Word of God, a thirst and hunger for fellowship with other saints, uh, with other believers, other Christians. And so you're hungry for the Word of God. And, uh, and so you should give yourself as a new Christian to the reading of the Bible and to the study of the Bible. I remember back when I first came to the Lord, I couldn't get enough of the Bible. And I see many new Christians that you see some who have a great appetite for it and then others who apparently don't. Uh, so, you know, th- this is all for us a lesson. We should be like Simon as, as far as what he did. He started following Philip because he wanted to learn. He wanted to see what Philip did and how he lived. And, and so it should be with all new converts. Follow, learn, watch, and grow. Follow, learn, watch, and grow. And you keep going through that for the rest of your lives here on earth. So Simon seems sincere and eager to learn of his new faith in Jesus Christ. So number one, Simon amazed. Number two, Simon confused. Simon was also confused. Uh, At least he became confused here in these verses. So verse 14, as we continue, says, Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. And we're going to stop there. So at this point, Simon was confused. At this point, uh, you know, remember, they're in Samaria. Uh, Back in Jerusalem, they were hearing that the people were receiving the word. Uh, People were coming to faith in Samaria. And so the church sent Peter and John. And so Simon was with Philip. He was following him, watching him intently, seeing all the details of of how he was conducting himself. He was amazed by these miracles and these things that were being performed through Philip and by Philip. And he was was amazed. Simon was, was amazed. Well, as people were coming to faith in Samaria... Again, Jerusalem heard about it, and so when Peter and John came, now think about the perspective that, that Simon has. Simon just came out of the world, and so I, I think many people perhaps that uh, come from a business background, some kind of administrative background, professional background, you think in these terms because you really can't help it. It's part of the way you're, you're thinking, and so my thoughts 
are that with Simon, as Peter and John came from Jerusalem into Samaria, that he was thinking, well, they came from headquarters. These are, these are the, the top dogs. These, these are the ones uh, that, that really matter. You know, Philip is out here in the field, but here come, you know, the, the executives. These are the ones that, that uh, can, can really do something here. And then he, they demonstrated Absolutely. They came asking some more in-depth questions. And, uh, and they prayed and laid hands on the, the, on the new converts, the, the new Christians, the disciples. And they re- received the power of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and Simon saw this. So he was watching intently. That is Simon. He was watching intently. And, and I'm thinking he had this perspective. As Jerusalem sent these two apostles to Samaria, they came... Uh, to find out what was going on. And, uh, and they came there to minister. And we see this. Uh, Peter and John came to pray for the new disciples and that they may receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, what does this mean? Uh, it is what, if we look back to Acts chapter 1 and going into chapter 2, actually chapter 2 of Acts, This is what Peter, John, and the other apostles and disciples had experienced on the day of Pentecost. When power from on high came down upon them, and they were empowered with the Holy Spirit to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. Now, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you, this is Jesus speaking to the apostles. He said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So Peter and John wanted to make sure that the new believers were also empowered with the Holy Spirit so that they too would be empowered to go out and witness, to testify of Jesus Christ uh, to the the ends of the earth. That they would be witnesses of Jesus Christ to the end of the earth. And so they came and prayed for this over the new Christians. And when they prayed for them and laid their hands on them to receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, they received the Holy Spirit and they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And and there was something very distinct about this whole situation and the difference that Simon saw in the new disciples before and after, before Peter and John laid their hands on the disciples and afterwards, there was something different. There was a visible change, perhaps a boldness about them, a clarity about their faith, uh, perhaps an underst- a deeper understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ that enabled them to articulate their faith. And so there was something different. And so Simon was, he was attracted to this. We don't know exactly what he saw because it, it's, not, it's not written out in Scripture. We don't know what made Simon really so desirous of this power. But obviously, it was, it, it's strongly implied here that he saw some kind of distinct, uh, distinct mark between the former and the latter as far as the disciples were concerned. But there was an obvious change. Now, if you're taking notes, jot down 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. Uh, This is where the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthians, speaking of the spiritual gifts. 
And so make a note there. So again, we don't know if any of these gifts uh, were exercised at that moment. Uh, perhaps um, uh, it, it really, it, it's, not, it's not there. So we, it's all speculation, all right? But the spiritual gifts are there. Simon saw something nonetheless. There were some special gifts and graces of the Holy Spirit that were known when the apostles laid hands on the people and he prayed for them. This is a fact. This is what we read here. Well, when Simon saw this, perhaps it it took him back. Perhaps it took him back to the days of his magic. Because if all you have to do is lay hands on someone and pray for them to receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, then I want that power. That's what Simon was asking. That's what he saw and that's what he desired. Oh, man. In fact, excuse me, Simon was sold at this point. He was was sold. I I want that. He wanted to buy this power. He even offered Peter uh, some money for the ability to do what they were doing. So he saw Peter and John do this, do this, and he says, hey, I'll give you some money right now at this very moment. Uh, I'll give you this money, and, and you, you give me that power so that when I lay hands on other people, they may receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Now, remember, you know, it's, I believe that Simon was this opportunist, a man who exploits circumstances to gain immediate advantage rather than being guided by consistent principles and plans. I believe many people look to God as an opportunist does. I believe many people look to God for their own immediate advantage rather than knowing and being guided by consistent principles or plans. Knowing and being guided by God's consistent principles and plans. In a moment of excitement, Simon offered up some money for what he perceived to be power, a power that could be attained for personal gain. The reason why I brought this up, that sometimes we can take the place of an opportunist with God, is that we're looking to Him to fix certain things that if we, perhaps we've been away from church for a long time and we think, you know, as things kind of start going south and, uh, and we're experiencing some difficult times in our lives, we think, you know what, I, I knew that when I was going to church, when I was in fellowship with the church and when I was reading my Bible and when I was praying and all of that, that, that things were, were okay. They were fine. And so some people want to get back into that place so that things would go well for them. It's kind of a, it's the wrong perspective. It's the wrong mentality. Yes, there is refuge in Christ. Yes, um, God desires that we would come back to him. But for everything to be, you know, God to fix everything for us and that being our motive and our perspective of God is really the wrong perspective to have. You know, salvation is enough for us. Uh, as we come to uh, the saving knowledge of Jesus, Jesus Christ, that's good enough. And the Lord Jesus Christ said that in this world, you will experience, you will know tribulation. But he said, take heart for I have overcome the world. And so as, as we're out in the world, just as Jesus sent his disciples into the world, he said, go, 
I send you out as sheep among wolves. So be as cunning as a serpent, but be as harmless as a dove. And so he knew what he, and he knows what he's sending us out to. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We should be aware of everything around us. And at the same time, being smart and yet being gentle and knowing that this life that we live is to his glory and not to ours. If we don't have a perfect life, then that's okay. And we shouldn't be expecting that everything that God is our genie and everything that we want is is given to us by the Lord. Otherwise, we fall into the same trap. The mindset of an opportunist, a man who exploits circumstances to gain immediate advantage rather than being guided by consistent godly principles and godly plans. Now, in a moment of excitement, Simon offered up some money for what he perceived to be power that could be attained for personal gain. This, this is what he did. So at this point, we can safely say that Simon was confused in his faith. He didn't know. It was because of his ignorance that he said these things. He did not know. This is why we are to give ourselves to learning scriptures. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 14, it says this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So as we read scripture, and I also read in in 2 Timothy uh, earlier, and I'll go back to it because this is really important. As we understand that we gain maturity, we understand doctrine, that way we're not ignorant of God's truth, God's word, and we're not, you know, fooled one way or another by the schemes, by psychology, by other things of the world, um, we, we give ourselves and we mature in knowing and understanding and applying God's word. Because as I said earlier, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So Simon, he was confused because of his ignorance. He was fooled by the circumstances that he was faced with. But it was, again, because of his ignorance. Now, how long, and this is, these are other things to keep in mind. How long had Simon been a Christian? Not very long. Because every time, and I know a lot of people, they, they go through the, these verses and, and they give Simon a bad rap all the time. But I believe we should realize these simple facts. If you've been walking with the Lord for some time, perhaps you remember what you thought was right when you first believed. Some of those things. And as you grow in the Lord, as you study God's word and you keep reading, you, you come upon a lot of aha moments to where you realize, oh, those things that I'm doing that at one point I thought to be okay, they're not really okay, and they don't glorify the Lord. I know 
I experienced a lot of aha moments to where I realized the way I was thinking, the things I maybe said and did weren't in line with God's word and weren't bringing God glory. So the, the questions to ask is, is your faith the same today as what it was when you first believed? Have you matured? And I'm sure the answer, I hope, would say, yes, I've matured in the Lord. Do you, do you know more today than you did then? Are you biblically wiser? I sure do hope so. But when confusion sets in, because of our ignorance, because no one has attained, no one has, has arrived at knowing everything, so when confusion sets in, confusion is not of the Lord, by the way, we need someone like Peter to come along to correct us in our understanding. And we should be humble enough to receive someone like Peter coming to us to correct us in our misunderstanding of God's word. Because we know that confusion, again, does not come from the Lord, but it comes from Satan. We need to understand and acknowledge the origin of confusion. God is not a God of confusion, but a God of order. And he desires understanding, knowledge, and wisdom in his truth, in God's truth, which is absolute. So number one, Simon amazed. Number two, Simon confused. And number three, Simon corrected. Verse 20. Now Peter responding to Simon says, But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. So... Um, this is absolutely a strong rebuke from Peter. I thought, um, you know, as I uh, considered uh, different translations, I came across this one and I thought this is really interesting. This is Philip's translation. Uh, but in Acts chapter 8, verse 20, it says, But Peter said to him, and this is how the Philip's translation goes, To hell with you and your money. How dare you think you could buy the gift of God? You can have no share or place in in this ministry, for your heart is not honest before God. All you can do now is to repent of this wickedness of yours and pray earnestly to God that the evil intention of your heart may be forgiven. For I can see inside you, and I see a man bitter with jealousy and bound with his own sin. So there's a reason, though, why Peter said this. Because even in any translation, this is exactly what's being said. And that is, Peter took offense to what Simon had said, what he had offered. Simon, you see, saw it as an opportunity, something he could benefit of for himself. So Peter pointed out Simon's error. What that says about his position in Christ, he was speaking of his position in Christ and about perhaps the ministry that he was desirous of also, that he could also lay hands and pray for other people and be empowered with the Holy Spirit. And he also pointed out what he must do. As Peter pointed this out in Simon, he was not only pointing out his error and his sin, but he was also telling him, you must repent of this and ask for forgiveness. Simon's genuineness at this point is questioned. The genuineness of his faith. And we know money will perish. It has no eternal value uh, in and of itself. And, And Peter said that if this is truly Simon's heart, then not only will his money perish, 
but he will perish along with it. Regarding ministry, someone with this perspective has no place in ministry because they don't really understand it. That is a a service. Ministry in the church is service unto the Lord. Ministry uh, in serving the Lord uh, in in your home as a Christian uh, is really, it benefits you. It really does. It blesses you. But that's not why you do it. That's not the motive. That's not why you do it. You do it simply because it's a proper response to the love that you have first been demonstrated by the Lord. That grace that you've been given. That forgiveness of your sins. Oh, that's enough, Lord. My response for the rest of my life is to live for your glory. That should be our motive is to bless and glorify the Lord. And so what Simon was doing was not fitting It didn't go along. It was the wrong perspective. Simon wanted this power so that he could do the same thing that he saw Peter and John doing when they laid hands on the people and prayed for them. And so Peter pointed out what he saw in Simon. Also, as he continues on, he gives them a few more details. He says, what I see in you is jealousy and that you are bound with your own sin. It's very a very stern rebuke, sharp, very sharp. But it was, a, it was a powerful rebuke because Simon's jealousy must have like come to the sur- surface uh, to be visible by Peter and John. And Peter spoke up. Now, we should always pray for discernment and recognition. Matthew chapter 7, verse 20 says, Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. And so as you see the fruit of people's lives... At that point, you should be able to, uh, over a consistent time, over time, consistency over time, um, we will be able to discern really where they stand. It reveals quite a bit. We ought to be aware and know when someone is in sin and, and then be willing to do something about it. That is, confront the sin as appropriate. Simon may have genuinely believed at first, but this was a reflection of the old man that kind of reared its ugly head. And he was faced with the reality of what it was. Peter pointed out, this is sin, Simon. Peter gave him no options, but simply the only option he had, confess and ask for forgiveness. You go and plead with God. Don't don't come and pray to me. I can't do anything for you. You have to go to God. You have to confess. You have to repent just asking God for forgiveness. There was no time to think about it. He didn't give him any time. There was no justification that Peter gave him. No excuses as to why Simon would say this. You know, you're such a new convert. You know, uh, the background that you came from, uh, the way you were raised, all of that. Peter, (laughs) Peter didn't acknowledge any of that whatsoever. It was simply calling it out for what he was. It wasn't because of the circumstances that he faced, what he came from, nothing, nothing of that sort. Peter just simply pointed out that it was sin. And he ought to, at this point, his choice was to repent and ask for forgiveness from the Lord. When faced with the truth of God's word, we make a decision immediately, whether we admit it or not. We make a decision immediately with faced with the truth of God's word. Because we need to remember that even delayed obedience is disobedience. We're making a choice at that very moment to not act on what we have come to know. So therefore, rejecting the truth of God's word. We make 
decisions in regards to God's truth immediately. Simon was called to repent of this wickedness, to turn from his way of thinking, to change his perspective completely. And how did Simon respond as Peter brought this to his attention? He told Peter, pray for me. Pray for me to the Lord. Was that the right answer? And I can hear all of you say, no, it wasn't the right answer. It wasn't the right answer. No, it was the wrong answer. Simon had to do this himself. And so do each and every one of you. No one can pray for your forgiveness. No one can pray for your repentance. We can pray that you repent. We can pray that you uh, ask for forgiveness, but no one can do it for you. You have to do it yourself. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, us personally, God, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we come humbly before the Lord, he will forgive us, but we need to go personally to him. So Simon had gone through amazement, confusion, and correction. And I wish that I could say that we knew he genuinely repented and asked for forgiveness. I wish we could have seen that, but we really didn't. We, we saw a Simon who was asking that Peter would pray to the Lord that none of these things that he had said uh, would really come about, the, dealing with the consequences of his sin. So was he sorrowful for the sin itself, or was he just simply afraid of the consequences of his sin? And I think it's, it's uh, the, the, that he was afraid of the consequences of his sin and not truly sorrowful for the sin itself. Uh, that's what we're left with, and so that's what we come to know in Simon. Was he a true believer or not? Well, uh, we'll have to wait and see when we go to heaven and, uh, and see if Simon's there. I sure do hope so, even in his error. So number one, Simon amazed. Number two, Simon confused. And number three, Simon corrected. So amazed, confused, and then corrected. Corrected. So I'm going to read this and then close up. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 which says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I, I was drawn to this because of this whole story. And there are those who perhaps, like Simon, um, they, they want to do all these things for many other reasons except for the right reasons or the right reason. And that's because it's a simple response to the love that we have first been demonstrated by, by God, by sending his son to the cross to die for us. That as we know forgiveness in Jesus Christ, uh, as we place, place our faith in him, uh, that that is enough. That salvation is enough, being forgiven of all of our sins, to know that we have the hope of heaven, and no one and nothing can take that away from us, that is enough. Not for any personal gain, for no other reason whatsoever, but simply because we want to bring glory to God. We have a changed heart, we have a changed mind, and our eyes are fixed firmly on Jesus Christ, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. I pray that you would not be like, like Simon, but 
would see things for what they are. See God for who he is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I pray that if there are things in your life uh, that you are behaving in a way uh, like having the perspective of an an opportunist, um, that that you repent of that, that you turn from that. You're not demanding from God anything, but you're asking him to direct your life in thanking him for the eternal life that he's given to you and granted to you through your faith in Jesus Christ and that he would give you the strength to walk by faith and bring him glory because our greatest opportunity in this life is to know salvation in Jesus Christ. And I pray and hope that you know salvation in Jesus Christ and live this life accordingly. Uh, Behavior in us should be becoming of a Christian, of a follower of Jesus Christ. One who has been given everything. And in return, we have simply surrendered our lives and surrendered that which was separating us from God, and that is our sin. We gave up our sin. We gave up all of that, which is nothing to give up. Can you imagine? The sin separates us from God. And now as we confess our sins, he forgives us of our sins. And then in exchange, he says, it's all done. It's all paid for. You're forgiven, my son, my daughter. And you now have the hope of eternal life with the Father through the sacrifice of the Son. I hope that you have come to know salvation. If you haven't, then I ask that you would ask God for forgiveness. Ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, to give you just a a new hope, a new perspective, and, uh, and start reading the Word. All right, so be blessed. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time of being in your word. Lord, as uh, Simon, we learned about Simon. How was that at first? He was very popular, very famous. He, he, was a, he was a showman. He amazed many people. And Lord, when Philip preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, many in Samaria came uh, to believe. And they were baptized. And along with them, so was Simon. And when he saw the things that were happening, he was amazed. And yet, even in that moment, as he continued on with Philip, and Peter and John came, and he saw the power of a life changed by the Holy Spirit, by the empowering and the equipping of the Holy Spirit, these lives that had been radically changed, he was drawn to that, but it was in the wrong way. So he was confused. He didn't understand why they were being empowered. I pray, Father, that we would desire to be empowered with the Holy Spirit, not for any personal gain, but because we want to be witnesses of Jesus Christ to our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I pray, Lord, that when we do get to a point, and there are points in our lives to where we need to be corrected, that we are humbled before you, in that we submit, we surrender, we are governed and are led by the truth of your word, that we would yield to the truth of your word because we want to live lives that bring you glory, that are a proper response to the love that you first demonstrated to us by sending your son to die on the cross for us while we were still sinners. And so, Father,
Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Empower us to be witnesses of yours. And may you refresh each and every person that is watching and listening to this message. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Refresh their spirit. Guide and direct them. And may they walk in faith according to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your day.